This is the NC Everything Podcast, a show where we talk about everything that has anything to do with North Carolina. Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 18 of the show where we talk about everything that has anything to do with North Carolina. I'm your host, Curtis, and today's episode is kind of special because this episode is about a place I was recently at, and the reason that's special is because a lot of these episodes, I've been to these places before, and several of them, I've never been to them, but this one here, I was literally at this place two days ago. You see, here's the thing. In your world, if you're listening to this show as soon as it airs, it's January 16th, 2021. However, in my world, which is right there behind your speakers, it's New Year's Day. So, Happy New Year's, everybody. But I record the episodes a little early, or I did this time for the holidays, and so I'm a little ahead right now. So, though it's the middle of January for you, in actuality, I just got back from a vacation to Myrtle Beach. And you may be thinking, like everybody, why in the world I would go to Myrtle Beach in the winter... It's because there's never anybody there. And the way the pandemic is, I want to go where nobody is. And so on the way home from Myrtle Beach, I, I took a couple field trips for the podcast and Brunswick Town was one of them. And because I was just there and it's fresh on my mind, I wanted to go ahead and record it. Even though my past couple episodes have been about colonial settlements with Fort San Juan and the Walton War. I promise you, I do have some more material planned. I'm not trying to drown you with powdered wigs and wagon wheels. Now, the last thing I want to say about my vacation is that while I was at Myrtle Beach, I was looking at Calabash, North Carolina. And some of you may know that that little fishing town in North Carolina considers itself to be the seafood capital of the world. So I thought I'd ride through and get a look at the place, you know, because eventually I'm going to be doing a podcast on it, I imagine. And while I was looking at things to do in Calabash, it kept directing me over to Myrtle Beach and Cure Beach and a lot of different places. But it turns out that Calabash, North Carolina is considered in the greater metropolitan Myrtle Beach area. And because of that, that automatically qualifies Myrtle Beach to be in the North Carolina Everything podcast because it is everything that has anything to do with North Carolina. And Myrtle Beach is one of my favorite beaches in the world, even though I've only been to probably seven beaches in the world. But just so you know, it could be an upcoming. Now, before I get into the episode, I gotta say, if this is your first time listening to the show, well, welcome to the club. If by the end of it, you like what you hear, go on over to the website at www.dnceverythingpodcast.com and check out all my past episodes. Check out some of the show notes for each episode and leave me a comment so I know you're out there. And for all you folks returning, well, you can do what I just said too, whenever you want. Now, if you do visit the website, uh, as far as you returning people go, um, I have put a picture of myself on the about page. I hope I don't regret that. The picture I used, um, well, I was trying to grow a beard and then I decided to shave it before I went to the beach. Also by now, you might've noticed that I changed the cover art for the show. Remember in my world, it's new year's day. So I just made this change, but it's been around for a while for you guys. So head on over to the website and check out the picture, check out the cover art, and 
I might be making a few more changes on the website as we go, and I'll let you know about them. And that wraps up that business. So now, let's go visit Brunswick Town. Now, if you Google Brunswick Town, you'll probably see Brunswick Town, Fort Anderson. This isn't one and the same. These two historic places are literally stacked on top of each other, as you will find out. Also, with Google, every image will include this big brick structure, and I thought that was all there really was there, and I didn't know that it was actually a church. But also, once I visited, there's a, a whole lot to the place. You don't hardly get to see any of the place on Google. But don't worry about that. I am a tourist, and I took a bunch of pictures. I won't post all of them, but I will post a lot of them. I will tell you, I've been to a lot of forts and battlefields and a, a bunch of historic places all over the southeast, and I can't remember a prettier place to walk around. Anyway, Brunswick Town was founded in 1725 by Colonel Maurice Moore on a 1,500-acre grant. Now, Maurice Moore was the son of the South Carolina Royal Governor James Moore. And when I do these colonial podcasts, you might hear me say something about a royal governor. If you don't know, the royal governor is the governor of the colony under the King of England, and that differs from the governor of the state after we won our independence. So it was founded in 1725, although I read some things that said that people were kind of moving into this area around 1710, 1715. But Brunswick Town was located on the west bank of the Cape Fear River, near Town Creek. And this is about 20 miles from the mouth of the Cape Fear. Now, according to what I read, this was the first permanent settlement on the lower Cape Fear River. By the way, you'll hear me say Cape Fear or Cape Fear River. That's the same. I'm not talking about a town. I'm talking about the water. Anyway, these guys living here must have been pretty busy. Because in 1729, four years after it was founded... It was made a township, and it became the seat of New Hanover Precinct, and it became a major port of entry, all in the same year. And pretty soon after that, it became the seat of the colony's executive branch. So, Brunswick Town was essentially the capital of the North Carolina colony. It was named Brunswick Town to honor King George I of England. Uh, he had some heritage in Germany, and he was a member of the German House of Brunswick, Hanover. Most of the early settlers to Brunswick Town were from South Carolina, and they were planters. In other words, crop farmers. Now, pretty quickly after the town was built up, it was booming with activity because this area was a really good source for tobacco, lumber, naval stores, and furs. Now, if you're wondering what in the world naval stores are, uh, naval stores are tar, pitch, and turpentine. They all come from the pine tree, and they're used in building ships. And since ships were really the major way of traveling back then, or even small boats, these naval stores were like gold. Another thing that made Brunswick Town so important is two of the prominent citizens would end up being royal governors themselves. This was Arthur Dobbs and William Tryon. And William Tryon, he's the infamous royal governor who took all the colony's money to build Tryon Palace down in Newburn. He's also responsible for hanging the regulators in Hillsborough, if you remember that from my Hillsborough episode. And what you may not know is, he was eventually ran out of North Carolina, and they gave him a try as governor of New York. Now, how William Tryon fared in New York, I don't know, because that's outside my interest. At least for now, anyway. I may decide to cover him in a biography episode. But anyway, Arthur Dobbs and William Tryon... They lived in a two-story house that once belonged to a sea captain called Russellboro. 
And I'll probably talk about Russell Burrow a little bit more later on in the episode. Now, this town originally covered about 360 acres, and it had 336 half-acre lots sorted by 24 town squares. Now, when I read this, my jaw kind of dropped, because when you go visit, and I'm going to talk about my visit toward the end of the show, but, but when you go visit, you'll see some foundations for houses, and you'll see some structures there, but nothing like 336, and you certainly can't make out 24 town squares. And that tells me that there's still a lot of it out there under the dirt or under the Cape Fear waiting to be found. Now, when they were planning this town, they did reserve lots for a church, a cemetery, a courthouse, and a jail. However, the town met its demise before the official jailhouse was ever built. Now, it was reported in 1730 that about a dozen households were standing. And that means that big number, 336, that was the plan, but they may never have actually reached that much. Now, let me tell you about St. Philip's Parish. And that's the brick ruins that you'll see if you Google this and click images. St. Philip's Parish was established in 1741. But because of the living conditions in Brunswick Town and the rivalry with St. James Parish in Wilmington, they had trouble keeping a preacher. Now, when I visited, there was a list of preachers outside the, the parish and there was a lot of them in the course of about a decade. Now, even though the parish itself was established in 1741, construction of the actual church didn't begin until 1754. And the reason it took so long was mainly because the townspeople really didn't care. They had money problems of their own, and they were dealing with hurricanes and floods. Also, in 1748, they were attacked twice by Spanish privateers. But... Even with all these problems, when Brunswick County was formed from New Hanover and Bladen counties in 1764, Brunswick Town became the county seat. But the problems just kept on coming. I mean, in 1761, a really destructive hurricane hit the settlement, and apparently it almost wiped it out. Then, in 1765, William Tryon moved the colonial government to Newburn, and his home was there too, so... They lost a prominent citizen and a major voice in the Brunswick Town Settlement. Also, during all this, Wilmington was being built up, and Wilmington was a huge competitor as far as being a port city. It was a better location, and so Wilmington was really overshadowing Brunswick Town. Now, the beginning of the end of Brunswick Town really started with the Stamp Act. Britain passed the Stamp Act in March of 1765, and though I could talk about the Stamp Act for probably 20 minutes at least, in short, it pretty much required all of the colonists to pay a tax for every piece of paper they used. Not only did they have to pay for all this paper, but the tax was only payable in silver and gold coins and not in paper money, which was the common method for payment in the colonies. And so obviously, the colonists refused to pay. So in February of 1766, there was an assault on Governor Tryon's home in Newburn, And this assault, I read, was called a peaceful assault. I'm not exactly sure what that means, but that's how it goes down in history. But in March of 1766, the Stamp Act was repealed. However, once you cross an American colonist, they tend to hold a grudge. So you know what's coming next. Time for a revolution. That sounds great and all, and we all know how that story ended. However, Brunswick Town didn't stand very long during the Revolution. Almost as soon as the war started, the town was nearly abandoned. 
probably because people were going off to fight or people were trying to take a safer ground, considering Brunswick Town was right on the port. And the port is where the British like to put their ships and shoot at you. And shooting, they did. In 1776, they came ashore at Brunswick Town and set the place on fire. Luckily, it was only partially burned. But in the larger scheme of things, that didn't really matter. Because in 1779, the county seat was moved to a safer location. And this move made Brunswick cease to exist as a political center. And by 1783, the whole town pretty much lay in ruins. And it stayed this way for decades. Until the U.S. was at war with the U.S. Of course, I'm talking about the Civil War. Now, I'm not going to go down a rabbit hole about the Civil War right now. I think if you've made it this far in my show, you probably already have an idea what the Civil War entails anyway. So I will just keep moving. In 1861, the Confederate forces built a large earthen fort on the site of the Brunswick Town ruins. Now, an earthen fort just means there's no wood. They mound up dirt to, to hide behind to set up cannon zone, and it's all just makeshift. To me, what the most impressive thing is is when you visit Fort Fisher and uh, Fort Anderson, both both earthen forts, these mounds are humongous, and they didn't have backhoes. They did all this with shovels. I don't even like cleaning out my gutters once a year, and these guys, they piled up dirt, probably 25, 30 feet in some places. But anyway, yes, they built Fort Anderson right on the ruins of Brunswick Town, and so that's why I said at the beginning, it's literally two historic places sacked on top of each other. Now, the fort was originally called Fort St. Phillips and later changed to Fort Anderson. I didn't read why that change was made, and I don't know if it's that important anyway. But what is important is why there was a fort there in the first place. If you remember, I said that Brunswick Town was 20 miles from the mouth of the Cape Fear. So they're 20 miles from the ocean. And the Cape Fear in this area is humongous, certainly big enough for ships to come down. And right up the river from Brunswick Town is the major, major port of Wilmington. And going right through this area is a train track that goes straight up to Petersburg, Virginia. So you got all this cargo coming in out of Wilmington, getting put on a train and sent straight up to Lee's army. So if the Union forces could destroy this area, they're going to cut off a big supply chain for General Lee. And so, with two batteries, with five cannons in each battery, Fort Anderson was there to defend Wilmington, defend the Cape Fear River, and fight off the British. Now, Fort Fisher was only a few miles away, right on the coastline. They pretty much had the same job. Unfortunately for the Confederacy, Fort Fisher was defeated in February of 1865. Immediately, Union forces got into position to attack Fort Anderson by land and water, and after three days of fighting, the Confederates left under the cover of darkness. At dawn that next morning, the Union gunboats started firing on the fort, not knowing that the Union infantry was breaching the walls. And so the infantry guys inside Fort Anderson started waving blankets and sheets and whatever they could find to get their own men to stop shooting at them. After the defeat of Fort Anderson, Wilmington didn't last very long. It fell a few days later. And after this, Brunswick Town pretty much slipped into the history books. And it wasn't until the 1950s and 60s that archaeologists began uncovering the foundations from the original colonial town. Now let's fast forward to New Year's of 2020. 
I'm heading up Highway 17 looking for Brunswick Town. I've seen it on a bunch of uh, lists on the internet before, and it was time for me to visit it. Now, actually, I'm going to cover abandoned towns and places in North Carolina, and this was on the list, and I figured since I was close, I'd go visit it. So we left Southport, which was another place I wanted to visit, and we were headed to Brunswick Town following the GPS. Now, as we got up there, I kept seeing signs for this military installation. And I, I told my wife, I don't think we're going the right way. And she said, well, this is the way the GPS tells you to go. And so we kept driving. Now, eventually, we did come to a military gate, and it was very guarded. But there was a visitor center off to the right, and we had to go to the bathroom, so I pulled in. And me and my 12-year-old son walk up to this visitor center. I'm not sure why it's called a visitor center because we only made it about six feet in when a guard came out and asked if he could help us. I told him we were looking for Brunswick Town and he kind of laughed and said that the GPS had been sending people there for a while now. He said I had to go back up the road and, and take another road and it was about nine miles away from there. It turns out that there's a military installation there called Sunny Point and this military installation is pretty much a hub for military imports. I don't want to say too much about it. I mean, you can Google it if you want to. Like I said, it's called Sunny Point, but I had no idea it was even there. And I was just as fascinated by the military base as I was going to be about Brunswick Town. Anyway, we turned around and we found our way to the actual Brunswick Town. And as soon as we got there, I seen the, the brick ruins that, like I said, you'll see on Google Images. But before we went and looked around, I went into the gift shop. And there's a little museum there, so you can kind of see some stuff they found. And I'm a geek. I love that stuff. And then we went to the gift shop, and I bought a magnet. Again, I'm a geek. What y'all might not know is I try to buy a magnet wherever I go. So I have a lot of magnets from all the places I've been. So anyway, with my magnet in hand, we started walking around the property. And again, I thought that brick ruins was all there was. And at that time, I didn't know why Fort Anderson was tacked on to the name Brunswick Town. So we walked over to the church, the, the brick ruins, and of course, I found out it was a church. Now, the roof is gone, and there's no windows in it, and it's a dirt floor in it. But you find out that it had a stone floor, and the stones were set out in such a way that they actually made a cross on the floor. You also find out that they found some bodies buried under the floor. And I'm assuming they didn't know who these people were because they didn't have any identifiers on them. But they say that because they were buried under the church floor, that they were probably pretty important people. And I'll post some pictures of the church and, and some of the signs I took a picture of. And, you know, uh, I, I try to post some pictures on each episode, but I have a lot. And most of the pictures I post, I'm getting from somewhere else or I'm linking to other pictures. So I'm kind of excited about posting some of my own pictures. So anyway, we left the church and we start walking around the property. And uh, in short, there's there's several home places um, where the foundations to, to homes as you go along. And like I said, that stuff's kind of cool to me. For most people, it just looks like rocks in a square. But what you have to do is kind of take a step back and picture what might have been there. And if you do that, you can kind of see the, the town forming in front of you. And like I said earlier in the episode, 
um, it's a beautiful place. You got the Cape Fear River just right out there in front of you, and there's Spanish Malls. It's just if you ever get a chance to go down here, um, I would definitely check it out. It's a, a beautiful place to walk around. So anyway, we make our way around the the settlement, and then we get on the backside, and that's where Fort Anderson is. And I kept seeing signs saying "Stay off the mounds." Well, this was the dirt fort. But when you first approach it, you're kind of on the outside of it. You're in between the fort and the Cape Fear River, so it just looks like a big hill. But the trail kind of comes around, and you're in the fort. And I got some pictures of that. But it was it was a large, large fort. Um, I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure it was a lot bigger than Fort Fisher. Because when you come around, you can see the, the hills that make up the fort walls. And the interior of the fort is just a really vast area. And on the back side of the fort, there was actually um, barracks and training grounds. Now, they weren't there, but th there was a map indicating that they used to be there. I was looking around the earthen fort and wondering how much of the colonial artifacts were destroyed or buried somewhere because they were building the fort. I'm sure that stuff didn't matter as much back then as it does now. But after you go through the fort, the trail circles back to the visitor center. I think it probably took us... About an hour to walk around. We were taking our time, and I got a three-year-old with me. And though toddlers are very, very fast, um, they're not very productive. So if you're trying to do something productive, it usually happens very, very slowly. Now, once we got back to the parking lot, I saw a signpost, and it showed kind of the layout of the area. And that's when I realized that, that there was a structure kind of back the way we had come in. And so we got in the car. And you go back down the road you came in, and it forks off to the right. And then eventually you'll get to, to kind of a gravel road, and it loops around. Well, we stop in front of this this kind of what looks like a picnic shelter. And it's about a 30, 40-yard walk. Well, under this picnic shelter is the actual foundation for what used to be there. And I'm assuming they're just trying to protect it. But, but I've never seen colonial foundations covered up like this. But we walk up, and... Um, again, it's just pretty much the foundation, but you can tell it's a really big structure. Um, you can see that there's multiple rooms, multiple fireplaces, and what looks like an enclosed bathroom. And the reason I say that is I realized that in the in the museum back at the, the gift shop area, I did actually see what was described as a toilet. And I'll post a picture of that so you can see, but apparently this house did have a toilet in it, and it kind of drained out of a separate tunnel out of the back of the house. And I guess that makes sense because the size of this house and uh, the toilet inside and just all the features in it and how they're protecting it. Um, this was the house of the two governors I spoke about earlier in the episode. And those two governors, or royal governors, I should say, was Arthur Dobbs and William Tryon. Now, a lot of people are familiar with Tryon Palace. This was before they moved the seat of government to New Bern, and obviously before Tryon Palace was built. And William Tryon didn't build this house. Apparently, it, it belonged to a sea captain. Um, I couldn't find any more information about that guy. But on site, they did have a model that one of the archaeologists built of what the house would have looked like, and I'll post a picture of that in the show notes too. But what was kind of impressive to me, or I don't know about impressive, maybe just astounding was a lot of the big colonial structures were preserved. You, you go to Hillsboro and, and Wilmington and New Bern and a lot of these big structures are preserved and taken care of. I've never seen the, the ruins of such a big house, to be honest with you. 
I'm sure they're out there, but for the most part, a lot of them are completely gone. Um, this was a really huge foundation. And so it was kind of weird for me to see the ruins of, of what was a, a really large structure of the time. But we looked around here for a little while and took a few pictures and then we headed for home. And that wraps up my Brunswick Town episode. I sure hope you enjoyed the episode. I enjoyed talking about it and I definitely enjoyed visiting Brunswick Town and not to kick a dead horse, but make plans to go down there and see that place. A mission is free and all you need is time and energy. I'll tell you what else is free. Going to my website at www.thencevertingpodcast.com. There you can find links to all my other episodes. You can find links to the show notes for all the other episodes. And there's a link where you can contact me. And when you contact me, you can say hey, or you can suggest ideas for the show. Or you can tell me what you think, or you can tell me you hated it. I just want to hear from you. And now that I've rung my own bell for a second time, the only thing left to say is... I'll talk to you next time. The music in this episode comes from archesaudio.com and freepd.com. <laughs>